Years ago, you, if someone walked in with a tattoo, you could tell who did it and how old it was. You can't do that anymore. doing big, bold colour, things you can see from across the street. The first person that I corresponded with and met which is in the 70s was Lyle Tuttle. That's one thing that's missing out of this business is tattooists with a sense of humour. My name is Steph Bastian. In my 10 years on the road, I've met many unique characters in the tattoo business, and they all have one thing in common, incredible stories. Stories of past times, personal growth, priceless experience, and of course, bizarre happenings. I want to share those stories with you. This is Tattoo Tales. All right, yeah, thank you for, first of all, thank you for making the time. Okay, sorry for the mucking around. Yeah, no worries, no worries. So you are in Sydney, yeah? Yes, mate. Sydney, city of Sydney. I've been there 40 odd years in the same area. How long have you been tattooing for? Uh, I started in 1967. Um, set 53 years. Early days were just pottering around. Uh, I think there was one tattoo shop in the city of Sydney or Sydney when I started. There was several working out of their houses. And uh, I got into it by sheer luck. But I'd been dabbling in it. I'd been tattooing the kids at school, things like that, lunch money. The people I hung around with, everyone everyone had tattoos. And um, we all used to go and line out the bloke in Sydney, uh, stay out there. You had to get out there 7 o'clock in the morning to get in a queue to um, get tattooed by about lunchtime. The old bloke there just worked on his own. And uh, then his son got into it. There's two of them there. And uh, I was sitting in a pub. There was a guy sitting there getting drunk, and he had a suitcase with him. Anyway, he was a tattoo artist in his garage. I, I said, what are you going to do all this? He showed me all the stuff, the old tattoo machines. I've still got them out there. I could probably show them to you later. And uh, he said, oh, I'm out of it. My, my wife went and let me back in the house and all this bullshit. So I, I bought the whole kit and caboodle off him for four pounds. It was all pounds in those days. And uh, we sat there and drunk it. So I did pretty good out of the deal. You know, in, all, in the old days, all the colour was in little pots and stuff like that. And they were all dried out. And told me to mix them with methylated spirits and things like that. And I went home, mixed them all up. So they were nice and creamy, just like the guys that were tattooing me. Started knocking them out on me, mate. Uh, my father, he hated tattoos. And I was in his garage working on my mother's ironing board, right? And he come out and he said, what the hell are you doing? And I said, I'm tattooing this guy. I, tattooed, I was tattooing a dragon on his leg. And he looked at that and he looked at me and he said, well, that's better than anything you've got. You better start charging them. <laughs> so that was the, the beginning of the end. I hope this is not the end. <laughs> <laughs> no, it won't, it won't be. Too, too, too young to retire, mate. Definitely. And uh, so here, we, what is it, like the early 70s? Oh, 60s, late 60s. Late 60s, yeah. yeah I, I had my own shop in 1970 in a suburb called St Mary's, £10 a week. And I used to sit there all night doing tattoos. 
we didn't get great prices for them those days. You know, if, you know, I mean, they were peanuts. Um, you know, even if I wanted a tattoo, it was 10 bob, and that was a decent sized tattoo in those days. And uh, I first went to the States very early in the 70s, and uh, I saw the, all these big fat fuckers over there driving around in Cadillacs and shit like that, and uh, uh, they couldn't draw a straight line. So, and they were getting really phenomenal tattoo, and you know, like Lyle Tuttle was doing butterflies as big as your thumbnail for eighty dollars. Jesus Christ! Like, and uh, I came back and started working at King's Cross, which was an experience. And um, I said to the guy that gave me the job at the time, Tom Baker, I said, we better start putting up our prices, you know what I mean? And uh, we started putting up our prices and everybody else did. And so by this time, the early 70s, there were several tattoo shops around, um, but there wasn't any one that had any great potential with it, you know what I mean? And I could draw anything when I was at school and stuff like that. So once I had the actual uh, working the skin, colour, stuff like that, I, I pretty well had it down pat. But um, as far as the opposition went, uh, there was a few guys that I really did admire in this country. Danny Robinson was one of them. Uh, Des Connolly, you've probably heard of them. Guys that did proper tattoos, you know, and that's all I wanted to do. And that's all I really like doing now. But, you know, I've been involved in jack jobs, bodysuits, all that sort of thing, you know. Um, right now, at the age I am now, I um, I just I go back to I like just like doing tattoos, straight out tattoos, stuff off a wall. Uh, some of the things that people bring in the shop are just you know I don't you don't feel like putting them on the skin. They're just rubbish. And uh, but then again, that's what they want. And if we don't do it, other people will do it and take their money. That's how I look at it. Yeah, yeah, you got to find that sweet line in between, I guess, right? Oh, of course. You know, like I've got some um, people working, uh, especially I've got three women working for me, and, you know, they do amazing tattoos, but <laughs> stuff that I wouldn't have the patience to do, you know, like doing big, bold colour, things you can see from across the street and know what it was and who done it. That's nice. my idea of doing a good job. Yeah, I agree. It was more of a closed environment than it is now, you know. So did you get to exchange, you know, learn from other people, become friends with some well, of them? Well, you know, the, the first person that I corresponded with and met which is in the 70s was Lyle Tuttle. And uh, then, then the conventions and all that, you met all the others and you saw all the work, Cliff Raven, you know, you, you can go on and on and on with, with guys. And uh, I was a kid then and um, people were very guarded, especially in this country about tattooing and stuff like that. But once they saw what you were doing and you virtually, for the time you've been at it, you looked like you knew what you were doing, it opened up a lot of doors for us, you know, for me anyway. My, my favourite tattooist of all time was a guy called Danny Robinson here in, in, in Melbourne and uh, he just recently passed away. But he was my idol and uh, he had a very distinct East East tattooing style was very feminine and it was very pretty and uh, it was 1968 a guy called um, you probably know him as Doc Price from London yeah. he came over here and 
I put a reaper on one of my friends and he went over to his studio and uh, his name's Daryl, Doc Price. And he said, oh, who did that to you? He said, oh, my mate, Tony Cohen. Told him I want to see, you know, big, hard, pommy guy, big black beard down here like you, and he's bigger. And uh, he's a real rough bastard. And um, he said, tell him I want to see him. So I went over there, nice humble pie and all that. And uh, I said, oh, mine's Tony. And this, incidentally, this was when the uh, Vietnam War was full on in Australia and the army and all that. Everyone was getting tattooed. And he looked at me and he said, oh, you want to know how to do it properly? Oh, shit, yeah. He said, go and get your gear, come here and I'll set you up a station and uh, we'll work together. And I said, oh, great, you know, big tattoo shop full of um, designs and et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I sat down there when he worked. He said, um, I said, oh, where's all our stencils, mate? Because, you know, you just have your little stencils in a, a book. And I said, where's all our stencils? He said, oh, if you can't draw them, you better go home. So, I worked with him for about two years and everything went on with the biro and freehand and stuff like that, you know, but it was all pretty basic roses, ships, everything like that. Just anything you could draw, you could, you could draw it with your eyes closed or you had to go home, you know. Very interesting uh, two years of my life. And in fact, I just spoke to him um, yesterday. He's 87 now and he's still going strong. You, you heard of Doc Price? Yeah, yeah, I met him. Uh, he's, he, I've been talking with him and his uh, son because I want to interview him as well. And uh, I met him a couple of times at conventions. Last time was in Bristol, I think. And uh, he's still going strong, man. He's still doing conventions and everything. Yeah. Oh, shit, yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we've been kept. He's, he came out and worked for me. Uh, I had a shop on the a beach at Manly. He was, uh, he worked with me there. Um, he came out a few times, but I've also since I worked, stopped working with him, I've been to uh, England, I think, two, three times, and I've been down to Plymouth there, and I've worked in his studio. And mate, it was one of the happiest moments of my time, because every time you looked up, there was all these sailors in their uniforms and all that. And that's the epitome of a tattoo shop, seeing a shop full of sailors. That's what I used to get in the cross, and, you know, that's when times were really flash. And that when you went to UK, did you did you notice? Is this something that stick out for you as a difference compared to what you were used to? Where you from? Those days, mate, nearly everybody got flash off a wall. You know, you've seen a lot of big back jobs, but I done a lot of back, big back jobs. In fact, I've got hundreds and hundreds of photo albums of all my work that I've done over the years. I've kept everything. You know, it's all basically. You know, you could see guys that knew how to get colour in. You can see guys that knew how to do a straight line. Uh, and you always, always see the rough ones. And they're always around, you know, and they're still around. I was talking the other day with a guy from Scotland, which uh, he knows really a lot about the history of his tattooing in, in Scotland from the start of the century and stuff. And he was telling me how, which has been common to other countries, how... In the 60s and 70s, tattoos uh, were a bit less popular. And then obviously there has been the boom in the 80s and the 90s and 2000s. Did you see that as well? Well, I've always been busy, you know. Um, you must have heard of Terry Wrigley. Yeah. I stayed with him a couple of times. I went over there and he, he had a shop. He had, had a whole row of chairs in his shop with numbers on them. And you just moved down from one down to, if you're number 20, you just moved down. 
and that's how he, he run his business, you know, like, and he, half the time, he'd just uh, pick up his tattoo machine and shave the, shave the guy's arm, pick up his tattoo machine, what do you want, bulldog, you know, what, what have he got, and he'd just draw it straight on with the tattoo machine, yeah. you know, I, I was impressed with that sort of stuff, yeah. um, I did, I've done it a few times, but uh, very basic stuff. Uh, you know, the things you have to do now or the things that people want are just uh, mind-boggling compared to what we did in the 70s, 80s, probably early 90s, you know. Uh, like since all the television shows came on and stuff like that, uh, everybody thinks they're a, a tattooist, but they don't draw anything. Everything's done on iPads and or iPods or whatever they are. Um there's a lot of stuff I, they don't believe, I don't believe people could do freehand. But there's some amazing work out there. And uh, you see it uh, that mainly at the shows and stuff like that. And where my shop is now in the middle of Sydney, city of Sydney, we get a lot of tours. Occasionally you get blanks in. Oh, wow, who done those, those tattoos on you? You know, uh, Joe Blow in Las Vegas or something like that, you know. It just goes on and on, doesn't it? Times change and like everything. But I think that... You know, to be a tattooer, there are a few things which you have to know and you have to master, so to speak, like, you know, the machines, like you say, like uh, coming up with certain types of design, because that's kind of like what makes you a tattooer, right? Otherwise, it becomes like an automatic process, almost like a printing. Yeah, well, you, you know, like I learned how to work on machines real, real early in the game through uh, Doc Price. Yeah, like we used to work at work off... Uh, AC with 240 volts at one stage, you know, in the, in the early days. Uh, it wouldn't be game to do that anymore. I got people that make machines for me, etc. Uh, I've made a few machines over the years with, with my son, of course. Like he's been working for me since 1991. Uh, I was in a shop in the red light area, not exactly in King's Cross, lower King's Cross. It was a real rough area. And when he was 15, I tried to get him into the tattoo business, but all he had to do in those days was fight with people, you know, and uh, he, he wasn't ready for that. But uh, eventually, um, I think he was, when he was 21, he'd come to me and he said, Dad, I want to get into it. And uh, he does beautiful work, you know what I mean? And uh, I'm the proudest punch. I'm almost proud since since we've been off work, uh, He's grown himself a beard. And I said, don't you cut that beard off, mate. You look like a Viking. I love it, you know. <laughs> and, How old uh, is he now? He's 53. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like 21. Jeez, 32 years he's been at it. Yeah. <laughs> God. And that make, wow. it, make you feel old. <laughs> Can you remember something that you particularly treasure as a person that you met in those days or something that even if it's a very long time ago, you're like, oh man, I'm still remembered that guy or that person or, you know, that thing that the person said to me. That's absolutely mind boggling question because all the people that I've tattooed and God knows how many, but the people you meet, say take out of a hundred percent, oh, 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 one percent would have been the people that I'd have actually thrown out of the shop or I just refused to tattoo them because they were uh, not right in the head. And But 99.999% of the people know what they want. Uh, they appreciate what they want. And 
you can't make everybody happy because uh, a tattoo is only as good as their friends tell them. If their friends say, oh, who's put that piece of shit on you? You know what I mean? They, they come running through the door. What's this piece of shit? You know, hey, that's not a piece of shit. Who, t- who told you that? Oh, did you work that out yourself? Oh, no. So, you know, it's, they are only as good as their friends tell them. And that's in, maybe not so much now, but in the old days, you know, like obviously you've been to many conventions and things like that. Um, over here, I won't go to them anymore. Like I used to do them. Uh, I used to take one of the people that works for me and there'd be two of us there. But the the last couple of years, you know, what stopped me from going? All these people with their eyeballs tattooed and their faces tattooed. And, you know, I just think that's that's not what we're about. You know, like you go back to the 30s, 40s, 50s, where you've got Amy's and Van Dyne and all those guys have got their faces tattooed. But they were a minority, a real minority. And, you know, like half of the world probably thought they were freaks. The other half, the other half who were tattooers like me, so wow, you know, look at that. I'm glad I don't look like that. It's, it's a very, very strange business. Um, we all love it. Do you tattoo? Yeah, yeah. We've been tattooing for yeah. almost 20 years, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's, it's something you love, and it, and you're creating something that that person is either going to wear till they uh, don't live anymore or they travel all over the world and show your work off. You know, it's, uh, and, you know, I've been probably the years or the places I've been or the shops I've had, there's not many tattoo shops that haven't heard of me. You know what I mean? And uh, it makes you feel really proud. How was King's Cross in these days? I guess was it was it rough? place a little bit huh well i was there when the heroin came in you know what i mean uh just on the cusp before that it was reasonable then all the junkies turn up it starts getting pretty rough well any red light area is going to get rougher over three o'clock in the morning uh, anywhere in the world um and it was good there was there was only uh, my shop and another guy's shop, old Wally Hammond, he had a shop called The Red Light. Now, he used to get packed out, and I couldn't understand it at the time. But underneath his shop on the main road, there was a bunch of strippers. It was a strip tease club. And these strippers used to go up into his shop and get changed. And that's why he had all the army and the navy and all the blokes hanging over the wall and all this sort of shit. And... Uh, Used to, you know, sometimes me and Tom would be sitting there doing nothing, and you look across the street, you can see these topless shoelers running around inside his shop on the first floor, and it was pretty amazing. But yeah, we all did good. But, uh, yeah, old Wally was a great boat. Nice. And uh, how, you know, looking back now after such a long career like you had yourself, right? How would you think that tattooing changed you? You know, in all these years, you know you getting into tattoos and a lifelong of tattooing, how do you think that changed you or, or gave you as a person? Uh, well, my father passed in 1977 and I don't think he'd recognize me now. Um, it changed me physically to look at. Uh, and uh, the way I am in the, these days, mate, I think it's made me a, a better person. Like, I was a bit of a rat bag for a while. 
Um, I've been always I've been in motorcycles into into motorcycles since I was uh, 18. Um, I'm on about my 18th Harley now. I've got three other damn things. Um, one in my tattoo studio in the front, really nice chopper, and uh, a two that I ride. But it changed me into a bit of a rat bag, and then it changed me back into uh, what I think what I call myself now as a pretty uh, decent sort of a person. <laughs> it kind of gives you kind of gives you a sense of purpose somehow, huh? something to focus on. Well, of course, you know what I mean. Like when I used to draw Flash, I used to draw Flash. And I used to tattoo, and I'd take a photo of the tattoo, and uh, then I'd compare it with every, you know, I'd keep t- taking photos and say, well, I can do that a lot better, and I'd do it a lot better. And I used to draw my flash every 12 months. So I'd have, you know, 50, 60, maybe 100 sheets of flash, and it'd take me a year to draw them, and I'd redraw them, and I'd add things to them, and I'd go to conventions. I'd say, oh, geez, put a little bit of blue, blue around it like that or whatever, or make an eagle look like an eagle, not a parrot. And uh, I had literally thousands of flash. I had flash from old Liz Skews. I had flash from all different people. That, uh, like I've been to the States something like about 20 times, and people always used to give you things in those days. And I had them stored in a, uh, a factory, in like a big unit, like a storage unit. And I had a, a, a really large one, and it was full of flash, full of tattooing memorabilia and all that. And it burnt down last April, so I've lost a oh. lot. And uh, I've got two cases of, of flash out there that I brought home to show a guy. But that's all I've got. But all my tattoo and machines and all that sort of stuff. Uh, this case here, can you see that case? Uh, yep. Yeah. Right. That's full of tattoo machines. <laughs> yeah. I'm just. I just. I'm just a mad hoarder. <laughs> and I've got another. <laughs> this is my room, library, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, guitars and stuff. I, I like to um, get a bit of everything, but. Tattoo memorabilia. Uh, I lost so much, and uh, I guess with with Lyle Tuttle, you being friend with him, you know, because you know he was a big collector as well. You had a lot to talk about on that side of things, huh? Mate, he came here three times, sit out the backyard, drink his uh, oh, what did he do? That Mexican stuff, tequila, tequila, tequila. He drink tequila. Until uh, till we ran out, we had to go and get him another bottle. <laughs> um, mate, he's he tattooed. He hasn't forgotten anything. You know what I mean? And to me, that is something. Uh, like I talk about a, a musician or something. Like I'd play a record. Oh, geez, that bloke. I've known him for years. You know, um, the song he sang was the whale. But uh, Tuttle would never run out of things to talk about. <laughs> um, he used to call me the gunfighter. He called well, you the gunfighter? Yeah, well, I used to always, you know what cowboy action shooting is? Yeah. Yeah, I, I've been doing that for 25 years. Oh, wow. Uh, we used to go to the States and shoot in the world championships. We did 10 trips to America, me and the wife, and I used to run shoots here. And... Uh, it's all reenactment with the, with the outfitting and real guns and all that. 
and uh, I got involved in that because the wife said to me, Tony, she goes, you need an outlet from tattooing. So we got into this. I was at a, uh, a gun show in the city here, and uh, there's a guy from the States, single action shooting, he was promoting it, and I bought a lifelong membership because I had all the gear. I had all Colt 45s and all that sort of stuff, uh, but I had to get registered. So I got registered and did all that. And my wife, uh, she did. She ended up being better than me. <laughs> yeah. So she yeah. would she would do that too, yeah. Yeah, I got the daughter into it too. She did it for a little while. How does it work exactly when you do these reenactments? Uh, you dress up. You you can you take an alias. So you have a you script. Got, you've got a script to do. Everyone does like you got posses of ten people, and everyone does the same shoot for through windows, stagecoaches and things like that. You shoot at the same target. It's all done on time. If you miss, it's a five-second that goes on to your time. If you do something stupid you like you shouldn't do, you um, shoot the wrong gun first. You've got two pistols, a rifle and a shotgun. And uh, if you shoot out of order, it costs you 10 seconds. If you drop a gun, you get these DQ disqualified. It's very involved, and as you know, like there's a hundred and something thousand members of uh, Single Action Shooting Society, and I'm number five thousand one hundred and twenty-three. So I got into it pretty early. I, I got into it in '94, and uh, as I said, we did ten trips to um, America, and we met some fantastic people. We got to the stage where we could do it cheap because they said, "You come and stay at our place. We'll give you a car." <laughs> they were just unbelievable people. Are you still in uh, touch with this, some of these people? Yes, yeah. Hey, being in Denmark, do you, have you met a woman over there that tattoos called Liz? I'm not sure. I'm very bad with names. Where does she work? I don't know. There's probably 100 tattoo shops in Denmark, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How old is she? Oh, she's probably 40, 45. Be in the capital. She'll be in the main capital city. Copenh- Copenhagen, maybe, yeah? Yes, yes, she's in Copenhagen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there'd be a lot of tattoo shops there, I imagine. Yeah, like like everywhere, you know. Because uh, I used to work for many years for uh, Henning Jorgensen, and uh, that's a little bit out of town. But I used to live in Copenhagen. Now I'm just traveling for the moment to do things like this. But um, then again, I'm bad with names, so you meet a lot of people, and maybe if I see the face, like, oh yeah, it's just that I'm rubbish with names, <laughs> you know. So sometimes she's like. A- ah, a real good sort. She's on Facebook. Um, Liz, Liz, I can't remember a second name. I can't look. I'm on the phone. Um, she stayed here. Um, Lal Hardy stayed here. He was here for a couple of days. He's um, a funny fella, isn't he? Oh, all poms are. Yeah, man. That's one thing that's missing out of this business is tattooists with a sense of humour. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, I was talking with somebody who has been in the game for a very long time, and he was telling me that nowadays you have a lot of artistic skills involved, but you have less of the character. And this is, it's kind of like a, somehow a little bit of a dying breed, you know, the type of tattooer that you would have always known as a sort of a pirate, you know? So you have like crazy stories and happenings of, of all sorts, you know, sometimes you make a little bit of a mess, but you have stories, you know, and then... It's a different type of personality. Now it's a bit disappearing because it's just, uh, you know, it's more focused well, on artistic like, skills. Like, like having a conversation with a brain surgeon when you're under anesthetic. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you one thing. If you, you know, especially after such a long and intense career like yourself and accomplished, 
Can you think about an advice that had been given to you or, or a lesson that you learned even on your, by yourself that you keep going back to that you found very helpful in your life? They're like, oh, yeah, that thing always proved a, a good point to remember. Yeah, a couple of them. Start from the bottom and work up and keep your mouth shut. <laughs> That's a great one. They're about the two greatest things. You know what I mean? Um and you know exactly what I mean by keeping your mouth shut. And uh, yeah. uh, I think lot, all these television shows and stuff like that, they, how, how long have you been tattooing? Almost 20, 20 years. years. Yeah. How many tattooers around were there then? Was there thousands, hundreds? Uh, much less than now. In my, in my city, when I, you know, when I was growing up, in my city there were like four or five people. And now there is... I don't know, 100 or 200 or something. You know? yeah, e- yeah, exactly right. You know what I mean? Like, as I said, there was one tattoo shop in the city of Sydney when I started. There was a lot in Victoria and Melbourne, but M- Melbourne is a very industrial city, and uh, that's probably why it, a lot more people got into tattooing. But um, would you ever like to know how many people that are actually in the business? Uh, in Australia here, they brought in all these tattoo laws, especially in my state. And uh, you had to get approved by the police and the government and all this sort of stuff. And it took them three years to give me a licence. And, uh, you know, I've got no record. I've, got no, I've never been any... Oh, I've been a little drunk and disorderly and DUIs and stuff like that because when you ride a Harley, you've got to have a drink. <laughs> <laughs> you know, little shit stuff, but nothing worth talking about, nothing worth, definitely nothing worth bragging about. But, you know, like uh, I've noticed over the last 10, 15 years or more, uh, like I had the only shop in the city of Sydney for 25 years. And, uh, mate, I had a whole street painted and all this sort of things. You know, I think there's photos, there'll be photos of on my Instagram and uh, Facebook. Now, there's 12 tattoo shops that I can walk to from my shop, but we're still going, and uh, the Illustrated Man has got a name that has a sort of been there for 40-odd years in the one area, and uh, it'll always it'll always rock on, and um, you know, hope I can get a few more years out of it, especially when Daryl's 86 or 87 he's still tattooing i'd like to do the same thing <laughs> and let me let me ask you one one last thing um you know if somehow with all the knowledge that you have now and the experience if you could go back somehow and talk to yourself when you were i don't know 15 16 you know with the things that you know now after such a a long career what would you tell yourself what what kind of advice would you give yourself um uh, stop drinking don't smoke. Um, be kind to old ladies. Because <laughs> I used to tattoo a lot of old ladies, especially when they want their eyebrows done and they won't sit still. That's a bit annoying. Um, <laughs> basically, uh, you know, things you, things you should do. Be kind to children. Don't swear. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, <laughs> how many tattoos, tattooists... Uh, like that, you know, like I watch these guys work, they just put their head down, ass up, and uh, you know, there's got to be a bit of humor about it, got to have a, a bit of a joke, a bit of camaraderie with people uh, without getting too involved. And 
I can't. I, I wouldn't change anything, honestly. I uh, be kind to your parents, you know, all that sort of stuff. And I pretty well was. I looked after my mother for ten years when I lost my father. Um, had to buy her a bottle of scotch and a goonie every week, a goonie of wine. <laughs> that kept her happy. <laughs> no, no, I think so. that, that about covers it. Oh, I'd like to have a couple more kids. You know, I've got two kids. You, you saw, you met my daughter. Yeah. Uh, my son's, he's handling this probably a lot better than I am. Um, I'm, I'm sitting in the backyard there and I read books and uh, there's a lot of things I could do. You know, I've got boxes and boxes of business cards. I should be putting them in albums and things like that and photos I've taken. I love dogs. I love long-haired German shepherds. I've had two long-haired German shepherds since I was 19. And these ones I got now are my ninth and tenth. A couple of yellows and a couple of stay with you for a long time. One's five years old, the other's three. And I've got I've got my daughter's bulldog as well. So he's... Wow. Um, Did they get along? Oh, yeah. 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 Like, we had two German shepherds once. We had three cats and we had a uh, guinea pig. And they used to sit, play in the lounge room, the whole lot of them. <laughs> it's funny. It's cool, man. That's that, that stuff makes you... It's like family, huh? Yeah. Um, you know, it, you might get to Australia one day, eh? Yeah, at some point or I would like to, yeah. If you haven't been here. Uh, I worked in, in Melbourne like 10 years ago for like six months. Who with? Uh, Andrew, Fox Body Art at that time and, in Melbourne. Yeah. Andrew. Andrew, Andrew, they used to call him Snow. Oh, right. No, I don't know. Yeah. Years ago, you, if someone walked in with a tattoo, you could tell who did it and how old it was. You can't do that anymore. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, times change. Tony, this was lovely. Thank you so much. I wish, you know, hopefully one day, because sometimes I go to New Zealand uh, sometimes, you know, and uh, hopefully at some point I make it to Australia. It would be great, you know, stop by and have a drink and, you know, a little no, chat. That would be nice. And then we can tell you the the real roots. <laughs> <laughs> the real <laughs> stories. Other people aren't going to know. <laughs> Off record stuff, the best. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for making the time. Okay. Hope it goes well. Thank you okay. very much, then. Enjoy your evening. Ta-da, mate. Awesome. Bye, Tony.